often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. Whoa, sis, how are you doing? I hope you're well. Um, And if you're not feeling your best, I hope that by the end of this episode, you'll be feeling a little bit better. So today is, let's see, October 27th. My people, if you have not voted yet, please do. I don't want you to wait until the last day um, to do so, please, if you can get a moment or two, because some places it takes forever for you to actually cast your vote, please get out and vote if you're able to. Please, please, please. Um, not only for the presidential election, but if you are in those states which have um, um, local elections going on at the same time, please vote for those two. Every single vote matters. It all matters. It all matters. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so let me hop off my soapbox for that. Um, also, I'd like to thank you guys who have um, rated and reviewed the podcast. I did have a couple notifications that I got um, a few more um, ratings and reviews, and I'm super grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So today is the first solo episode of season two. And it's about something that I'm extremely passionate about. It's going to be short and sweet. I hope that you get something out of it. And I hope that I can inspire you to continue your journey or to start your journey. And if you need any advice or help, resources at all, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I am at um, bewellsis underscore podcast. I answer all my DMs or you can send me an email at hello at com. I answer all my emails as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. One of my favorite quotes goes, caring for myself isn't self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare by Audre Lorde. That is one of my favorite quotes. When I came across this quote, I think about a year ago maybe, I was honestly just learning about Audre Lorde and learning about her work, and it just stuck with me. And it just... You ever read something that it just weighs heavy on you? Like it just speaks to like your, your, the deepest parts of your soul and it just makes you think, right? That was that quote for me. And I feel like it was just so appropriate to incorporate into this episode on self-care. Self-care, the practice of taking active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. So lately, when we think about self-care, we think about all of the commercial aspects of self-care. So we think about taking bubble baths, going on spa days, getting our hair and nails did, um, some retail therapy, 
just a lot of things that cost money, essentially. Self-care has become very commercialized. So if you go ahead and if you Google self-care right now, there'll be tons of products that'll be advertised to you to buy. If you go on Instagram and you look up the the hashtag of self-care, you'll find mostly women luxuriating in their bathtubs or on a yacht or just something extravagant and oftentimes out of reach for the most of us, right? Like it's not something that we can consistently do. Yeah, we can have a spa day maybe like once a month or however so often, but it's not practical for us to have spa days every day. Um, It's not practical for us to constantly be on vacations, right? It's not practical for us to, in the name of self-care, have to go purchase a new thing or a gadget or item to help fulfill our self-care need. Self-care does not have to cost money. And I'm super passionate about that because self-care has become another thing, another peg on in the capitalist wheel. So Indiana State University has a series of workshops going on this um, semester regarding radical self-care. So I'll link the information down in the show notes, but they have a really good page full of a lot of information. So to start, they start by saying a radical self-care is the assertion that you have the responsibility to take care of yourself first before attempting to take care of others. It's necessary to fill your cup first, then to give others from the overflow. This is what gives you the capacity to heal and to move forward into your next chapter of life. Audre Lord, Bell Hooks, and Gloria Azuldua wrote of the necessity of women of color to practice self-care and self-love in order to deal with the daily onslaught of racism, sexism, homophobia, and class oppression. Radical self-care was and is an imperative practice to resist pressures to comply, conform, and above all, to remain true to our authentic selves. Radical self-care involves embracing practices that keep us physically and psychologically fit and healthy, making time to reflect on what matters to us, challenging ourselves to grow, and checking ourselves to ensure that what we are doing aligns with what matters to us. We consider this self-care radical because it fundamentally alters how we make choices about allocating our time, money, and energy for ourselves personally, at home, and at work, and seeks to revolutionize our workplace practices. Practice faithfully, radical self-care involves owning and directing our lives and choosing with whom, how, and how often we engage in our nested, interconnected world so that we can be unapologetically ourselves in the face of unrelenting pressures and expectations to be otherwise. Oh my God, like, that was such a, a word to me, and I, I hope you got something from it too. But this is radical self-care and in a nutshell. And I want us to go ahead and to dive into that a little bit deeper. So self-care has become a topic that I've become extremely passionate about. I've always had some level of understanding and respect for caring for your physical body um, because I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So in that church, there is a huge emphasis on your body being the temple. So that part was unavoidable, right? But being a black woman, especially one born to immigrants, the examples of truly caring for yourself holistically were really few and far between. 
I grew up believing that at some level there is merit in being um, self-sacrificing to others and that putting everyone else's needs before your own was like a badge of honor and of womanhood. So I started seeing a therapist consistently for a few months after the passing of my mother-in-law. To be honest, initially I started going to see her in order to get some tools to be a better support system to my husband. Um, But after a few sessions, my therapist politely gathered me and told me that I needed to be in her office for myself, not for him. Um, So in order for me to be a better spouse, a better daughter, mother, friend, employee, all those things, I had to take care of myself. So honestly, week after week, she'd ask me what I'd done for myself the week prior, and I'd almost always came up with the same sorry answer. And that was um, nothing, because I didn't have the time to. And, you know, she put up with my BS and my excuses, and I eventually stopped seeing her because of scheduling conflicts. But really, to be honest, I just did not make myself a priority. I didn't feel like I was important enough. So fast forward a few months later after having my youngest son, um, that was probably the hardest moment of my life. To make a long story short, um, after having a really largely uneventful pregnancy, his birth was incredibly traumatic and we both came very close to losing our lives. Um, I had a spontaneous placental abruption, which means that the placenta detached early. So normally what happens is you deliver the baby. So baby comes first and then um, then comes the placenta. But my placenta decided to, to detach early. So that created for just a whirlwind of events. I will go into detail in a different episode, but long story short, he had a lot of complications at birth. Um, So he was the NICU for a while. While he was the NICU, he had seizures. Um, We weren't sure if he'd be able to hear. Um, He had multiple plasma and blood transfusions because his blood wasn't clotting, so he was bleeding out. His liver failed, and um, he was placed in a medically induced coma to preserve brain function because they were concerned that the lack of oxygen would cause um, the brain to swell as a natural reaction. It causes edema. So if you have edema, um, there's nowhere for the brain to go. So it would compress up against his skull and he would have brain damage. So we weren't sure if he had brain damage at birth. So the advice was to put him in the coma to cool his body several degrees cooler He literally was on ice um, for the first few days of his life and um, to prevent any swelling. So that way, whatever brain functions or whatever neurons he had left were were to be intact. Um, It was a gamble. The technology was actually kind of new to my hospital at the time, but we took the gamble anyway. Um, So, yeah, so he was the NICU and everything that could have gone wrong uh, pretty much did go wrong. And when he was finally discharged from the NICU, I was holding my breath. I just was not sure if we were really out of the the woods yet. So one of my fears was that I'd be up feeding him at night by myself and he would either seize or start bleeding or just something would happen that I was just not 100% coherent for or not 100% um, prepared for. So yeah, the first month was awful. Um, on top of all of that happening, it was a, he was born around the holidays. So I wanted to make sure that my oldest son 
um, could enjoy the holidays because it was his first year. He was four at the time. His first year actually knowing what the holidays meant and he was excited about it. He was a new big brother and that in itself is a transition. So I was trying to do all the things, be a good mom to a child who at the time um, was special needs because he needed lots of um, monitoring and just special care. Then I had to be good to my oldest son, which was, again, a new big brother. He was still little. He was still just navigating this thing, right? I was trying to be there for my spouse as much as I can, trying to be a, a good daughter to my mother who still who lives with who lived with us then and still lives with us now, and just trying to do all the things. And I just was not doing okay. So my doula would always check up on me and... She checked up on me one time and she sensed the sadness and the hopelessness in my voice. So she suggested that I reach back out to my therapist, which I did. So I went back to her office, but this time I promised myself that whatever she suggested, I would implement. I wouldn't just waste her time and mine by, you know saying yes, being a yes man in the office and not actually doing anything when I left her office. So when I went back, her suggestions were very simple. Her main one was to take at least one hour a day and do something for myself. Not for the kids, not for my husband, not for my family or my friends, not for my my employer, but for myself. So I did. So the first thing I started to do was I started taking a 50-minute kickboxing class. And after about two weeks of taking that class, I could feel how much of a difference it had made in my life. I was much more patient with my oldest. I was much more attentive to my husband. I actually slept when it was time for me to sleep. I just was more understanding and just had a fresher pair of eyes by doing that one thing. So I realized that as women, we wear so many hats, right? We just have so many things going on with us. Even if you're not a mother, you have a lot going on. And it's because we've been socialized since we're children to be everything to everyone except ourselves. So by the time we're done shuffling through all of our hats and our responsibilities and our roles that we play in different people's lives, we rarely get a chance to put those hats down and just to be ourselves. So self-care is just simply putting aside all of your responsibilities for a moment to love on yourself and to make you a priority. So the first step in assessing where we are is to readjust that inner voice. Stop beating ourselves up for things that we didn't do, and we're going to stop making excuses as to why we're not important enough. Now that you've done that, you're going to take inventory of where you're at. And you're going to ask yourself some uncomfortable questions. Okay? So the first thing you're going to ask yourself is, generally speaking, how are you feeling? And give yourself some time to answer. Like, how are you truly feeling? What have you been avoiding? How have you made yourself proud? How have you disappointed yourself? 
what thoughts or feelings have you been suppressing? How's your work life? How are your relationships? How do you feel physically? Has there been an ache or a pain that you've been dismissing? How are you sleeping? Are you sleeping well? How are you feeding yourself? Are you eating regularly? Are you eating wholesome foods? Are you treating your body well? How have you been connecting with your community? Now, after you've taken the time to kind of think about the questions, it's so important that you actually journal and write these things out. Write out the answers to your questions. You don't have to answer every single question at once. I would take maybe one question or two questions and answer them um, a day. So you really have time to truly reflect. Usually when I suggest people um, journal, I'll sometimes say, you know, go ahead and open up your notes app on your phone and jot the answers down in there. But this time I'm going to discourage you from doing that. I think it's best for you to actually take a pen and paper and write down your feelings and write down what you're going through and write down the answers to those questions because two reasons. One, there is actually like... um, a release when you're physically writing something out is different than actually typing it into your phone. Plus, we're just so connected to our phones. This would be a great exercise in starting to disconnect from our phone a bit. The other thing is that once you have something written out, for me, I believe there's such power in written word. Once you write that thing out, like for me, People might call it manifestation. I don't know. I just believe there is such power in writing things out, whether it's to release it or whether it's to set a goal. Once you write it down, for me, once I write something down, I'm more likely to accomplish that goal. Another reason why I want you to write these things out is because it's so gratifying looking back and seeing your growth months ago or even years ago. Um, seeing things that you've accomplished, seeing things that you have worked through, like different feelings and different um, situations that you've been able to work past and work through. It's beautiful being able to see your accomplishments. Sometimes we get stuck in these funks and not even funks. We get stuck in these loops of life where we just are putting one foot in front of the other, just doing what we have to do. And we don't realize how far we've come. A journal is a great way to be able to look back and to see, wow, I've wanted to accomplish this and I did accomplish it. It may not be like a huge accomplishment, but the little accomplishments, they tally up to be one big accomplishment, you know? Um, So I think it's a beautiful thing to write these things out. Another reason I want you to write out the answers to those questions is because wellness is something that has so many different components and it's overwhelming and virtually impossible to do everything at once, to implement everything at once. So if you write things down, you can then prioritize what you're going to start with, what tasks you're going to start, like what are you going to attack first, right? So it's like a to-do list as well, a self-care, self-love to-do list. And so what I've learned in my own wellness journey is that 
it is a constant process, constant reassessment and readjustment of where I am, what I'm doing, and if it's serving me and how I can better optimize to be my best self so that way I can give my best to the world. So I think about wellness and I think about our lives rather as gardens that must constantly be tended to. If you don't care for your garden, it quickly becomes overcome by weeds, right? And at the same token, if you are constantly caring for your garden, Um, you're not immediately going to see changes. So when you first plant that seed, you're not going to bear fruit the next day. It might take some weeks, sometimes some months for, for some of, depending on what you're growing, right? One day you'll take a step back. You'll notice that you have a beautiful, lush, abundant garden. Those crops will be plentiful. The flowers will be radiant. And in caring for your garden, you'll be able to share your fruits with others. So to summarize, in order for us to assess where we are possibly lacking in our self-care journey, we are going to do these three things. First, we're going to readjust our inner voice. Then we are going to take inventory by asking ourselves those questions. And the third thing we're going to do is we're going to answer those questions honestly with ourselves by journaling. I have created a self-care assessment and self-care guide um, or self-care planner rather that is linked down in the show notes. It is absolutely free. Just go ahead and sign up for my email list and it is yours. Again, I'm always available via DM or via email and I'm here as a resource to help you in any way that I, I can. Thanks so much for joining. I'm so glad you came. And until next time, be well. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.